You are listening to the Super Freak Media Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please be sure to show your support and follow us on our other social media platforms. Check out the links listed in the description of this episode to find out more. Thank you. Anyway, enough about me <laughs> naked and showering. I don't want to. I don't want to get the listeners too excited just yet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we don't want to peak too early, do we? Welcome to the Bear Queer Podcast, the podcast where two homos called Liam decide to take a trip to a giant house, take a magic potion, and decide that these are the moments that make life worth living. <laughs> Hi, I'm Liam J, and joined, as always, is my counterpart, the... <laughs> The Goldie Horn to my Meryl Street. It's Liam B. Do you remember where you parked the car? Hi. I'll, t- I'll take that. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Hi. How are you? How I'm are you good, this, I'm good. this Pride Month? I'm uh, good. Busy? I'm very, very, very warm. It's <laughs> hot shit today. It's heatwave uh, weather this week, isn't it? I think it's going to get to 30. Um, I don't want it. At the end of this week. So for no, any of our American listeners out there, um, 30 is very high if you translate it to Fahrenheit, but I don't do maths, I'm gay. Sweetheart, your gay is showing. <laughs> Looks <Dead>. better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't believe how fast this month's gone. This is the final episode of our Pride specials. We've had three this month, so don't say we don't spoil you, because no. uh, we, we do listeners. We've uh, we've worked hard on these. But I think we're going out with a bang. No! Yeah, bitch, work. I mean, bang. of course, this is one of the most incredible films ever made. Uh, yep. Today, we will be talking all things Death Becomes Her, the incredible Robert Zemeckis film starring none other than the fabulous Meryl Streep and Goldie Horn and Bruce Willis to some extent. Um, <laughs> Bruce yeah. Willis is very much there, yeah. I indeed. mean, yeah, but that's you, you don't watch this film no, for you Bruce Willis, it, do you? watch it yeah. for, for Meryl Streep and Goldie Horn, absolutely. <laughs> you know, when we said that, we were going to obviously make choices. Choices. I think ever since we started this podcast, this has been a film I've wanted to talk to you about mm-hmm. because it's just, there's been no films like it since. And no. I don't think there were many films in this vein that was successful no, prior to me, to it. this was one of the last great films by Robert Zemeckis, um, yeah. who yeah. is a incredible director anyway, mm-hmm. made some of the, arguably some of the greatest films of all time. Back to the Future, I'm a huge fan, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But then he decided he wanted to then start making some CGI messy films, which just aren't, aren't that great. Although I'll give him... I'll give him his dues and stuff. I don't mind contact. Um, <laughs> do you know who likes contact? <laughs> I do know who <laughs> likes contact. Is this about the movie Contact? No. I will not Jodie Foster this kind of behaviour. Okay. <laughs> but it's also um, no stranger to horror. Well, even though he's made mm. incredible films like Bats Future, Romancing the Stone, how could I forget that? Made the underrated What Lies Beneath. I love what lies beneath. Me too. Uh, well, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she's possibly my favourite actress. Um, yeah. Well, I think you, you went down on her last episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. There, there you go. So yeah, you you definitely love her. Um, yeah, I I think 
he yeah he's an incredible filmmaker and i think it was th- these this is the sort of film that like these days that would just not get made or have the talent behind it i think that no. it does no it's, it, it's it would be like an indie film and i think even when they the, the writers conceived it they were like we we hope that we maybe get some unknowns a small budget we kind mm-hmm. of just get to make it and then it just snowballed into this incredible incredible well, he's story. um he's directing the new pinocchio film isn't he not the father <laughs> i need to go beyond my own <laughs> not <laughs> the that yesification one of, yeah the of pinocchio. the official disney one uh they've got it, with, was it with tom hanks um as geppetto that one i think so yeah yeah God. You don't like Tom Hanks, do you? Oh no, I like Tom Hanks. <laughs> I just, really like Tom Hanks. Just, I just, I'm just bored of these like Disney remaking their own films. I don't think I've enjoyed a single one. Yeah, the live action ones I don't think have been. The, I, that I can't. Great. I can't stomach the new Lion King film. Um, I, I, if I'm being honest, I only, I only watched the original when I was in uni, and I didn't really rate that too much <gasps> see I th- the original the the original lion king film rates very highly in my top 10 yeah but, but the last like film that he's just done like as of recording is the the recent remake of the witches which was mm. it yeah happened. it had it, yeah it was it was a film it definitely was a film I, I didn't enjoy it really all that much at all uh but again i think that that maybe comes from the nostalgia behind it um and i suppose that's something with with this film that is quite prevalent because it very much speaks of the the time it was made even though it is it's a film that takes place over the course of 51 years so we go from 1978 (laughs) and then we end up in 2029 so we're still not quite there yet but we'll uh, we'll be there eventually but i suppose doing what we usually do uh, every episode seeing as, as this was my choice i'll ask you the question first how did you get into this film how did you first watch it uh, what um, was your first experience so i've been trying to think of the first time i watched it it feels like it's always been a part of my life but i think one of my earliest memories is because i i was a huge goldie horn fan uh, as a kid because the first wives club is mm. another one of my favorite films of all time and i remember watching it and i must have been around 12 years old Mm-hmm. about 12 13 around that age and it was actually at a sleepover at my friend george's house and her mum is like the glamorous mum she's she, a cool mum yeah she <laughs> honestly one of the most glamorous women i've ever met uh did much she wear m- one of those like nightgowns that had like all the ostrich feathers on the no, edge no, and unfortunately, she'd come down the not. staircase slowly but she did always <laughs> have like a silk scarf and if it wasn't wrapped around her neck it'd be wrapped around a bag or something like that and Ooh. oh she was just everything and when when we got a little bit older and we used to hang around the skate park and stuff mm. she'd always buy us alcohol to say you know, I'd rather know what you're drinking. I'd rather you not be pr- approaching older yeah. people to go and get them alcohol for you. But we used to be like at the skate park and everyone was drinking like cheap cider and stuff. <laughs> and we'd have like you a got bottle Pino. of Martini. <laughs> we used to have like a bottle of Martini. Um, we used to be like bougie. Um, so yeah. Uh, like if you're going to drink, I'd rather you do it in the house. Yeah, we'd be there with like a bottle of vermouth. And then it would be like kids drinking like white lightning. Um, That's incredible. Incredible. So we had a movie night around hers and we watched First Wives Club and I was like, oh, we were talking about how much we love that film. Mm-hmm. 
and she was like, you need to watch this one. And mm-hmm. she got the, um, she got the DVD out and I saw the cover and the cover's like incredible where like mm-hmm. the hand sticking through her stomach with the candelabra and all yeah. And I was like, well, that looks like me all over. Um, <laughs> let me watch it. And yeah, I re- never get watching it. And I was like, oh, it really reminds me of like an old like B movie. And to this mm. day, it still reminds me of like an old B oh, movie. Oh God, yeah. But I remember laughing so hard with it and sitting there thinking, I want, I don't know which one I want to be more. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one I relate to more. As I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, the one who put on a lot of weight and has cats. <laughs> Literally, and, I'm, I'm in that phase of Goldie Hawn yeah. currently, so yeah. I don't know. Come back to me in seven years' but also, time. also, <laughs> like, failed actor. Um, so I'm, I am not a, a failed actor. I am, like, a, a great marriage of them both. So that's when I first uh, discovered it. And then I watch it any opportunity that I can. If it happens to be on TV, no matter how far into it it's on, uh, yeah. I'll watch it. Because to this day, there are... I'm still amazed by it. And there are yeah. still bits where I'm like, how the f- did they do that? So yeah, yeah. it yeah, was no, about sure. 12 or 13 when I first watched this. So shout out to um, to Georgie's mum, who's got it going on. I'm sure <laughs> she's still got it on. Our, our Jane, um, <laughs> one of the most glamorous women I've ever known. She sounds and, incredible. Oh, oh my God. She, oh, right. Just a quick, a quick segue. So there was an incident once where I was a little bit drunk uh, <laughs> at about 16 um, and I've thrown up all over myself. <laughs> I can't remember anything. I got kicked out of like a gig and all that. My gosh. Her, her mum was such an angel. She got me like undressed and showered me and everything. Afterwards, there was like, because all, all of our friends who were like lads had such a crush on George's mum. Yeah. And I was like, well, not to brag, but she did. <laughs> she did undress me. She did undress me, me and shower me once. <laughs> no, no, but that, that's, yeah, it wasn't anything naughty. I d- oh, God, I don't want to get her in trouble now. She wasn't, she wasn't doing anything she, naughty. She was, she was being, literally, yeah, incredible. she was just being a mum and a yeah. hero. Anyway, <laughs> enough about me naked and showering. I don't want to... I don't want to get the listeners too excited just yet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we don't want to peak too early, do we, uh, on this episode. Um, I think I probably watched it a similar sort of time in my life as you it was about 12 13 but i think i I, if i remember it was kind of silly how i i found out about it i know this is how i found out about a lot of films actually there was there was a countdown of the scariest moments i think on On channel Channel four yes um i think i'm sure jimmy carr hosted it it was way back when and and, uh, (laughs) i'm sure one of the moments i think the staircase scene yeah, yeah. Uh, was was on that. I mean, obviously, it was quite far down the list because I don't think this film is is scary or intends to be scary in any way. I do think it, it obviously dabbles with elements of of horror, but yeah, it, it was on that list. And I can remember seeing this really like bizarre scene, and then my mum, uh, who watched the the show with me, was like, "Have you not seen this yet? Have I not shown you this yet? It, oh <laughs> my god, it's amazing! You need to see it." So I think it was at the time we still. I think I got it on VHS before I got it on DVD. Mm. Um, so I think actually I watched it on VHS um, for the first time and yeah same as you absolutely fell in love with it Um, and it's like one of those films yeah if it's on TV I'll catch it I know a lot of stuff usually gets cut out when they show it on TV Mm. particularly I think you know with like the body horror side of things yeah yeah, it's one that I just I have no no problems like revisiting time and time again oh definitely Um, not and I think it's why it's it is legit one of my favourite like go-to comedy films I'd, I'd kind of choose and uh, it's 
it's one of those films as well where it's aged so well. Like, mm. I always think this about films of that era. I always go into, like, holding my breath and getting really worried that, you know, oh, God, yeah. some, something's going to be said that, you know, yeah. we don't want to, we don't really use that kind of language anymore. And this is one of those films where it just, it hasn't. Right. And also, it still, lo- it looks great still. It still mm. sounds great. Like, there's... I don't have a flaw with it apart from I wish it was longer. Yeah, absolutely. And we won't be the first homosexuals to ever discuss this film because it is. I, I believe if I believe there should be a gay starter pack for anybody <laughs> when they come out, when anybody comes out in the LGBT community, there should be a starter pack, and this should be included in it because this has informed a lot of our yeah other culture and it speaks that like there's new readings on it and takes on it today that never would have crossed my mind and it's absolutely incredible um and i feel like i hear people quoting this all the time not so much the younger generation nowadays but our generation especially the older gays it's It's so quotable such a quotable film and that's because the delivery of the lines by meryl streep and goldie horn in particular are just completely on point well i mean when you've got you've got actors of that caliber committing to such a i mean it's such a silly silly film Uh, and like you said i mean it is it is a b movie and i mean i think that's what it intends to be it's not trying to be anything else Um, Mm -hmm. but i think meryl streep actually said when she was asked like why did she take the role she was like well i couldn't turn it down because it was just so original like it was so unlike anything else she'd done before um, and I mean, I've I've not seen her like do uh, things like that. I mean, obviously, I think in Devil Wears Prada, it's very camp, and obviously, she's iconic. She's in that as yeah, well, she's leaned into it. As she's gotten older, but at yeah. this point, Meryl Streep was known for like Kramer versus Kramer. She was known for these like dramatic, these, like, yeah, dramatic pieces, yeah. Os- Oscar, like, Oscar. I don't want to say Oscar baiting, but like you know, <laughs> yeah. something films that were made for the academy to want to fawn over and not not so much a dark comedy playing a failed actress which obviously yeah playing a failed actress uh, playing an aging actress and all this like it's just (laughs) it's incredible and but on the flip side goldie horn's always i'm not always saying she's in films like this but she's always she's got really incredible comedic timing always Mm -hmm. has done yeah um so i don't think it was a surprise to anyone that that goldie was was going to do this film but you could not have anyone else do I mean her yeah I, I, I'm glad obviously the stars aligned and it worked the way that it did mm-hmm. um, and I think I, I, I will extend that I think the whole cast uh, incredible I, I can't imagine anyone else mm-hmm. um, fulfilling any of these roles I mean for anyone who hasn't seen the film first of all you need to How sort dare that you? out <laughs> absolutely but second of all I'm going to obviously maybe go through the plot now so spoiler warning <laughs> Now, a warning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, we start the film, ultimately, we've we've got Meryl Streep playing Madeleine Ashton, Goldie Horn playing Helen Sharp, and Bruce Willis playing Ernest Menville. And Bruce Willis and Goldie Horn uh, are, are together. Uh, they're at Madeleine's show, uh, Meryl Streep's character's show. And everyone's saying how awful it is, but it, the, the film opens with the most incredible musical number. Oh, my God. The choreography is great. <laughs> Even incorporates the me. hustle. <laughs> it's it's incredible. And I mean, I think when you go into that number, you know what sort of film you're getting immediately. So like it hits the ground running and it, it does, obviously it does kind of jump all over the place because we initially start with Ernest being with, with Helen 
and they're watching the show and then after the show Ernest meets Madeline for the first time and he's just completely in love and and Helen's been worried about this and she says oh this was supposed to be a test before we got married to see if you'd you'd succumb to Madeline's charm and he's like no you don't need to worry and then the film being the film it is just cuts to the wedding scene (laughs) because he's decided to marry Madeline instead and this is I I will say I think this is one of my favourite bits of the film we get to see Goldie Hawn's character Helen just seven seven years later she's become this obese reclusive cat lady excuse you (laughs) and she is you didn't have to make eye contact with me when you said that I'm just saying she made she's become (laughs) and she's just playing uh Meryl Streep's death over and over on the tv while she's Mm -hmm. eating I think it's cake mix (laughs) it's frosting yeah just pure frosting (laughs) goals essentially I mean I felt quite quite attacked actually when I was watching this today because I was sat there on my lunch (laughs) while I had this on and I was eating and I was thinking oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so the film then hops again seven years uh, in the in the future Ernest and Madeline are not having a good time being married and they've been invited to a book launch so Goldie Horns now now a successful writer they, they go to this basically this this book launch and then it's revealed that she's gone on her own transformation she's now stunningly beautiful she's she's got an incredible figure she's everyone's, everyone's like how are you looking like this you're 50 years old the the film revolves around obviously this whole idea of of aging i suppose and mm-hmm. what is beauty essentially meryl streep's character then goes on this journey to try and sort herself out and and become young again and this is where she stumbles upon this this potion and this magic this this magical formula that's uh that that can turn the clocks back and this is where we get the introduction of isabella rossellini as oh my god i I think she said herself her only costume was a sarong and jewelry and -hmm. i mean that's all she needs because she's absolutely stunning Um, she basically offers her this elixir and says you can live forever you'll have another 10 years of a career but you'll never age just look after yourself and there you go so she takes it and then all hell ensues because there's in the background there's been this plot for for Madeline to be murdered because Ernest is unhappy Helen's unhappy and he he does it he pushes her down the stairs in the most fabulous fashion mm-hmm. and I mean the thing is is you know if you were at the top of the stairs I don't think you'd insult anyone if you were needing help <laughs> that's probably the only thing that bothers me about this <laughs> film is is Meryl Streep just oh, well, I'm so sorry oh, help me Hurry up, you wimp! <laughs> like, good for her, honestly. Yeah. Right, good for her. Well, she, she, she tumbles down the stairs, her neck's completely broken, and then this is where we find out the secret of the potion is that it does grant immortality. So even though she is clinically dead, her body is is still going. You pushed me down the stairs. So her neck's completely twisted the wrong way, and th- this is where we get like the really cool like body comedy parts of the of the film. Look at yourself! Ernest! My ass! 
there is something really wrong with your neck, too. I would say so. I would frigging well say so. She then essentially ends up murdering Goldie Horn's character, Helen. I just want you to know one thing, Hell. You brought this on yourself. Madeline! I done defended myself. That's what you plotter, co-conspirator. She's dead. She is. <gasps> These are the moments that make life worth living. <laughs> They're both dead. So ultimately, this whole thing where they were trying to obviously stop decaying they're now still decaying but mm -hmm. they're going to carry on decaying forever so it, it's a very interesting i think commentary especially on obviously hollywood and the idea of celebrity and all of that um but yeah it, it's just it's just wacky and it's just crazy and and i i, I love it i love it to bits i think Same. it's great <laughs> i i as i said about quotes with this like mm. just has some of the most amazing lines ever just out of nowhere um, I do say, could you not just, can you not breathe? Could you just not breathe? <laughs> that bit really stuck out to me. Just not breathe. Oh my God, it's just, and then like, at the end, <laughs> do you remember where we parked the car? <laughs> Like, I quote this film so much. And I actually did a work today as well. It's really funny. There was a, we have CCTV at work and we can see who's outside the door. Mm. And it's hot as balls today. And somebody was walking past in like a long skirt and like, it looked like they were wearing nothing on top. And I just looked at the camera and I was like, Siempre viva, live forever. <laughs> Oh, just having the best time, but yeah, Lisa Von Riemann. Oh, oh well, gorgeous. Uh, yeah, I I want to take a moment to talk about Isabella Rossellini because yeah. that that performance that she gives in this is absolutely insane, and it yeah. like <laughs> to say she's a supporting character as well. She's and, um, very much the, at the, the heart of it. <clears throat> I'm so sorry, <clears throat> bloody hell, <laughs> the wardrobe in this is in f***ing insane yeah. and hers in particular the final well not the final one we see her in but just as she's going to this party filled with like dead celebs who have faked their death and stuff she's wearing this f***ing silver dress that like <laughs> barely covers her tits with this huge f***ing cobra <laughs> cobra collar on it and I've always wanted that because it also really reminds me of the cape in Xanadu towards yep. the end of the gold cape yeah 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 just what a film so it came out in 92 yeah it was which way ahead of its time as well it I was think, completely it ahead of its time um I was very very I was such a baby when this came out so I've spoken to like people older than myself about mm. this film like when it came out because I wanted to know what people were thinking and I spoke to my mum and I was like oh did you ever see this because like I was a baby and you were a teenager when this came out so <laughs> yeah like did it ever fly across your radar and stuff she went it did mm. she went on a date with a guy to go and see it but my mum's a wimp and she said <laughs> she walked out um, oh, gosh. so it's the scene she thought it was just going to be like it's really fun comedy she wasn't expecting any like horror elements in it at all yeah 
um, the scene where Bruce Willis is on the phone to Goldie Horn and in the background, um, you can see Madeline like coming Sitting to up, yeah. really freaked my mum out. So she walked out the cinema. But it, it's just, it's just um, like the the scene in Halloween, isn't it? Uh-huh. Michael Myers sits up in the background. It's, it's, I mean, what I will say is because to say, I mean, this is categorized as a fantasy horror and it's not, it's not obviously I don't think it's got a particularly high like rating as in like you have to be really old to see it yeah. I think it's like a 12 here mm. um, and I mean I know we always talk about like gateway horror I very much feel like this is kind of like absolutely a, 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 like a bridge between obviously kiddie yeah. horror and I feel and like if you are a it. young a young queer person who wants mm. to get into horror this would be the one that Perfect. I would show them like Perfection. I I work with um, young people and well, queer young people as well. And this is a film that I, because when I first started, I was like, if nobody has watched this, 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 and this. So I reeled off a load of movies. I was like, you need to. Yeah. So I don't, I'm, it's not a school. I'm not going to set you all homework, but also, <laughs> but also homework to get on my level. You want to talk yes to me on no? my level? You okay, can. let me talk to your level. Did you not do that? Because you're so beneath me at this moment. <laughs> you need to have watched this film. It's so cool because one of my one of my kids has a Death Becomes a T-shirt, which is really cool. It's just like really? the, the VHS cover on a badly printed on a black T-shirt, but it's Love it. so cool. And they were like, oh, thank you. Thank you for introducing this film to me. I, re- I really enjoyed it. Uh, but they have a really cool story with it. Um, okay. So they were... Obviously, I'll keep it all anonymous, so I'm not going <laughs> to out them or anything like that. But they watched this film with their mum. Mm. And their mum was like, like, their mum really likes it as well. So they were talking about it. And the kid was like, yeah, so um, because of this film, I came out to my mum as trans. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, why this film? They went, well, it's all talking about like, you know, you're not really accepted accepted as a woman unless you're beautiful and mm. society loves what you look like and you have yeah. to be this pinnacle perfection and sh- and they were saying like that's how it is for trans women like yeah people don't really care about us until we've met that level and i don't mean to diminish people but like unless you're someone like laverne cox one of the most stunning beautiful people in the world mm. that's when people are at a level where they're like that's what that's the the standard they expect yeah that's yeah. what they that's what informs them of what a trans person a trans woman is mm-hmm. and then they were like and that's what this film really spoke to me so i said that to my mum and i was t- and it really helped my mum understand as well because i was saying this is what i like this is what i'm trying to achieve but everybody's telling me i'm mm. not i'm not good enough unless i reach this level of of how yeah. trans trans women should look. So I was just like, this is deep. The, yeah, I was I was gonna say, I mean, I think that again speaks obviously of this this film and and the on the face of it, it is very hokey and very silly, but it does comment on like a lot of stuff. I mean, it, it's very easy to look at the film and I think think that it's two women warring over the attention of one man. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously Ernest played by Bruce Willis, but I don't th- really think it's that at all because for the majority of the film he's extremely clueless and they're Mm -hmm. both manipulating him to do what they want it's not the other way around yeah and i think yeah it it, i mean even back in the early 90s it kind of it it still feels fresh and current with obviously the state of like influencers and stuff now like you said the idea of what people have expectations of of people like online like we live literally in a society now where 
everyone uses a filter and i mean I'm, i hold my hands up i'm guilty of it like the way mm-hmm. i look online is not how i look in person oh, God, so i've i've taken that magic potion when you see me on instagram <laughs> that's all i'm saying but so i mean i suppose it, it is it's kind of weird that this was a film that predated like i suppose social media and and all of yeah. that because it's still so like on the nose about it. And yeah, it's it's sad. I think to think that there's been that pressure there for for so long. I mean, you hear the horror stories and stuff of um, like old, like from the golden ages of Hollywood. Like mm-hmm. some of the things that these people like did to yeah. their bodies and like chemicals they were using that hadn't obviously been tested right. Mm-hmm. Teeth being replaced with like other like substances and stuff. It's just yeah. very, very, very odd. Like and this facade that. Women, I think, obviously, in particular, um, feel that they have to keep up and are, are expected to. And in, in many ways, it's it is it is very sad. But I suppose although it is it, very sad, mm. and that are, if I was offered that potion today, <laughs> right this instant, and at any Would point in immortal? my life, yes, Would I you? never. Oh God, I never want to die. It's my biggest fear. Mm. See, I'm very clumsy. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like every mm. every time I go to bed and close my eyes, I think, oh God, another another day close oh to death. Oh my God, I would, but, yeah. No, <laughs> but, I'd take it right mm. now, especially, God, the the instant lift I'd have on everything. Incredible. <laughs> oh. Well, I think this this will be a good a good point for us to talk about in the in the film. I mean, to say so the film the film wasn't all that successful, really, when it came it was out. Panned. It was panned. The reviews for it were absolutely vile. They were, I, I was going to say, yeah, they were actually quite vile, to be, to mm-hmm. be fair. It, it was saying it, it was trashy, that it was it was trying to be clever when it wasn't, and I was like, it was. Um, <laughs> and then just people saying that it, it was just campy and just disregarded it. Like, most camp films are always disregarded. People don't... Oh, I'm just, I, I don't want to go on too much of a rant about it, but I hate that people disregard camp. Mm. And I'm not talking about that Met Gala where nobody actually came dressed camp. I call shade. Um, <laughs> Carly Class, I'm looking at. <laughs> um, but it's but no, it's uh, sick of people disregarding camp as something not I think not people to be... equate camp to be, like, bad. Um, yeah, and, it, and, like, and that's why, and that's why it's, and it's not queer always, people. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. but I, I don't think it's obviously always the case because I mean, you look at this film; it's an incredibly well-made film. It's got incredible talent behind it, both in front and behind the camera. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. and it still stands up today. This is a film that is well. I mean, it's it's thirty years old this year, isn't it? So that's insane. Mm-hmm. Jeez, Louise! So mm-hmm. it, it, incredible, incredible film. And I mean, yeah, it, it didn't make all that much money at the time. Um, I think it was definitely obviously on like home video release and all those sorts of things where it really found its audience. And I know it's been particularly like popular, particularly in America, you know, like in the queer club scene, like a lot, yeah. they have a lot of like shows well, and people don't, quoting because stuff. One of my favourite drag performers of all time, Peaches Christ, mm. always puts on these stage productions of like camp queer classic films mm. and has done Death Becomes Her. They've done like Hocus Pocus. They did Death Becomes Her. They did Drag Becomes Her. Oh. Um, Jinx Monsoon was playing um, Helen. Yeah. And Bendela Creme was Madeline Ashton. Yeah. Uh, no, or was Ben? I th- ben. Actually, I think Peaches no, was... Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Hell. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely where it's, it's found its audience, isn't it? Like, um, obviously with, with people kind of at home, but the one thing that it was really successful, or at least on the face of it, everyone was kind of 
applauding it for was the visual effects of this mm-hmm. film and it actually did go on to to win the oscar it actually beat out batman returns and alien 3 that year for the oscar yeah. um, which, and the, and which to be honest the pair of like if we're talking about like queer camp classics <laughs> both of those films batman returns is 92 my was batman returns good, yeah. is my favorite superhero film will always remain so mm-hmm. michelle pfeiffer is the catwoman it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely my favourite Batman And film, also Aliens sure. 3. I think Aliens 3 is I really like criminally 3. underrated as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of my favourite Ripley's. Mm. I, can you imagine, though, going to the cinema that year and seeing Michelle oh, Pfeiffer in a cat suit whipping her absolute <laughs> off and, mm-hmm. then, and then seeing this as well? That, that would be, be insane. Um, but yeah, it, there's, I still think that the effects really do stand up today as well, well. It's, it's, it, it this, doesn't look bad this period of cinema had some of the greatest special effects ever mm-hmm. so we've got this the year later we have Stan Winston's work on Jurassic Park welcome to Jurassic Park which is some of the greatest feats ever. But around this time, we had some of the most, like the coolest, most experimental, most amazing practical special effects. I mean, there is use of CGI as well, which mm-hmm. has aged quite well, considering what it is. I think so. Um, I don't think it looks it no. looks bad. I mean, this was, the, this was the first film to use like skin CGI. Yeah. Mm. Like, so a skinned character um, and obviously uh, the majority of it I think you see is obviously when Madeline's gone down the stairs and she breaks mm-hmm. her neck and, and she's twisted the wrong way um, and I mean it's funny that you mentioned Jurassic World as, uh, Jurassic Park sorry, oh as god well, because... I never mentioned Jurassic World <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Jurassic Park rather because there are actually quite a few a few links with, with this film and mm-hmm. then obviously what it became an incredible uh, franchise a year later. So the director, Robert Zemeckis, used to say, hold on to your butts whilst he was mm-hmm. directing on set. The people obviously who wrote that then were involved and obviously went on to Jurassic Park. We've got hold Samuel L. Jackson butts. saying, hold on to your butts. <laughs> See, a lot of the same techniques were employed by Industrial Light and Magic when they went on to make, make Jurassic Park the year later. And it's kind of crazy to think that this weird fantasy horror comedy B movie would mm. have such an impact because everyone applauds and, and looks at I think Jurassic Park as a film that really started CGI as being an yeah. acceptable thing in movies. And I don't know. I always look at this and I'm like, I know know what you did there. I know what you did there. Yeah, um, but There's... I think it's the perfect marriage as well of practical and, and some of my effects. favorite effects are some of the most simple effects as well. So the scene where Madeline's lying down on Ernst like mortician table and being spray painted yeah that scene alone obviously where her neck is first twisted and she's like i can see my ass um <laughs> that but the scene where she first takes the potion and she's looking in the mirror mm. and you get the butt lift and you get like the mm-hmm. with the tits um just every it's oh it's so great they're some of my favorite and obviously helen walking around with a huge off hole in her stomach yeah. oh my days it's still brilliant now because like the way that the, the scene where it really sticks out for me is obviously the cgi involved but when she sits down on a sofa and that she yeah. sits through the shovel, the shovel yeah. it's well, 
I always still laugh at that bit. <laughs> it just gets me every time. It's, it's forget brilliant. about it until it's on screen. It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, you look at that whole whole scene. I mean, I mean, everything obviously when they're both dead, I think is really where the film is like incredible, mm-hmm. and I, I love to to rewatch it and see it because there's little details that you you kind of forget. But the scene you just mentioned there was actually an accident. She completely yeah, yeah. sat the wrong way, so then they were like, "Shit, we have to fix this in post." <laughs> so <laughs> they did, and I think, like you said, it becomes one of the most kind of like standout moments of of, of the film. It's it's incredible. So you mentioned the stuff with the the potion. Uh, and obviously when we get this whole mm-hmm. like set up with Madeline becoming a, a girl again I'm uh, a girl I'm a girl they they actually went really complicated with it at first and built like all of these things to do all of this stuff so there was yeah, like a they, pneumatic they, they, bra they, they make stuff. like a pneumatic bra yeah I was reading yeah. <laughs> and then they actually just ended up using the I think the costume assistant's hands <laughs> were just lifting I mean can you imagine that being on your resume you're just I like, carried a watermelon <laughs> I carried I carried two incredible <laughs> watermelons in, in Death Becomes Her that would be amazing to have that on your CV imagine having Death Becomes Her in general on your CV just I mean, I mean so <laughs> practical effects aside there's mm. one thing that makes this film work more than anything, as well as the writing. Well, mm. It's the score. Alan oh, Silvestri is course, one yeah. of the greatest musicians who have ever existed, has scored yeah. some of my favourite films, has worked with Disney and made some of the best Disney scores. Yeah. But the score in this... Now, it's I said... It's just from the opening. It's just In a previous episode, I have said that I'm not like a big fan of like Hitchcock, but this, the score for this is like, it harkens very, back to those, yeah, those Hitchcock Herman. and yeah, it's sure. insane, but it also really reminds me of Clue. Clue is again, one of my favourite films of so all time. underrated as well. One of the most underrated. If people tell me they love Tim Curry, I make sure that they watch Clue, but also there's another, there's another tenable link to Clue in this. Oh, Okay. It's so stupid. Do you know when when Madeline goes to that clinic and she meets that woman with the fake Flint Jackson? It just really reminds me of the maid from Clue. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love I love that scene. The, the accent work in that scene alone, the fake European accents, that guy is like Yeah, who's got the weird eye. Yeah. It just it... <laughs> But that that scene is really when you think about it, it's quite unnerving. When you get that mm. glimpse, the camera work for a start, it's oh, God, yeah. that glimpse you see into that weird room where that person's so- blood and fluids it's like and everything. Some yeah. Cronenberg shit. <laughs> absolutely it is but do you know what gets me it's like I saw I think it was on TikTok there was like this viral thing because they were saying about I think Gwen Stefani was injecting baby's blood into her face or something she admitted I mean, to doing it if, I mean, if she... that's how she looks like that <laughs> but, find that's... me a child <laughs> I think celebrities are like literally confessing to like doing weird shit like this I mean like all the plasma stuff or all the weird facials and things that you can oh have. my god yeah Just... there's a scene so I'm not really a massive reality TV person by mm. any means um, but there is a Netflix show oh, what's it called it was inspired by crazy rich Asians anyway there's a scene in this show where they're all at a bar and they're like oh such and such has given birth and they're all cheering and there's this woman she's like tell her to give me the placenta and like, <laughs> every- and everyone else is just like what and she's like make sure she gets saves that placenta i want that placenta and everyone's like 
are you not going to congratulate her? Like, what's going on? She's like, it's the best facial you will ever have. <laughs> People eat that though, don't they? Afterwards, <sighs> you can eat it. Mm. Just apparently, oh. it tastes like black pudding. Oh, I don't like black pudding. I love black pudding. Do you? Love a bit of blood sausage. Mm. <laughs> not for me. Absolutely mm. not for me. But yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I don't think I can move past the placenta. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm stuck thinking about that now. It's just a, a an incredible, incredible film. And I mean, I know we're talking about this on this podcast. I don't think, we, we've kind of delved into it. I don't think it is, it's not intrinsically queer. There's no like on the face queer characters that are like I don't know you know for sure yeah but I think it's definitely with the reading of it and I know obviously in more recent years I think the the trans theory and obviously what you spoke about with with one of the service users I think is it has become like more of a Mm -hmm. an accepted reading of it I suppose we've we've always gravitated towards this film because this Mm -hmm. film talks about people who were on the outskirts of society who people don't want to pay attention to who have to fit a certain mold for us Mm. to be accepted by people so that's why it speaks to us so much and also because it stars these fabulous women and strong (laughs) it's it's always a strong female character and we're drawn to a film that's it because i mean they they are both so flawed aren't they i mean they're, they're actually on the face of it they're they're they're, they're the anti-heroines of yeah, the film, aren't they? They, they're not, they're they're not, not heroes the heroes at all. <laughs> I mean, they're plotting murder. They're so manipulative. I mean, one of them you literally see is criminally insane and has to go to an <laughs> asylum for a period of time. So <laughs> the fact that we gravitate towards them, want to dress up as them for Halloween and, and yeah, I go would, to drag so shows. So that is that is a dream of mine. I would really love to I need to do, so do this for Halloween. But I would, Same. I would yeah. also very much love to, to, to do that. The stuff that I did want to speak to you about, I don't know if you... Because obviously the ending is particularly quite <laughs> incredible. It's amazing. So the film ends with them attending Bruce Willis' Ernest Menville's funeral. We're gathered here today to honor the passing of a man of courage and of vision. Now, Dr. Ernest Menville always felt that life begins at 50. And since we know so little of Ernest before that age, perhaps in his case it's really true. Because it wasn't until 50 that he met his lovely wife, Claire, that he had two sons and four daughters, and then, like a like a biblical patriarch, began to spread his message of hope to his adopted children all around the world. And this is where we are. We're so many years in the future now, which when you look at it, obviously with with the titles that come up 37 years later, would mean that they're in 2029. So with these two being immortal and there's knowing that they're not in the best of shape and they're having to use spray paint on each other to keep (laughs) each other looking alive, um, they're at at his funeral and essentially they leave because they're like right well we're over we're oh done God. with this they just, they just can't stop laughing and <laughs> I never like I've forgotten who it was but somebody was like I can said to me I can imagine you doing that I was like I'd never be that disrespectful at a funeral so like, oh, what for somebody that you can't stand I was like the okay. point is, would you go to the funeral in the first place? I probably would. <laughs> would you be that petty? <laughs> yes. Absolutely, yes. Incredible. Um, but yeah, it's, there's an amazing scene where they are like, 
in these incredible veils and well that's it because you don't get a glimpse yeah. of them do you until and the very end they're just they're just laughing and being disrespectful and then on <laughs> blah, the way blah, blah. They're, they're walking out and they're like yeah he tr- he achieved true immortality and they turn around and like this man had in his own way learned the secret of eternal life and it's here among us, in the hearts of his friends, and the secret of eternal youth, right here, in the lives of his children and his grandchildren. And it is my opinion that our beloved Ernest is one man who will indeed live forever. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they walk out, Love get into an argument on the steps, fall down, and they shatter into pieces. And you get this incredible, yeah. incredible scene where this head just just spins like, like, a, like, a, like a tire that's come up on the motorway. Yeah. Do you remember where we parked the car? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's actually horrific. <laughs> Because the thing is, even if it was just for another 10 minutes, I just want to know what happens after that. That's what I that's... want to see the people coming out of the, <laughs> coming yeah. out of Seeing the funeral. Seeing these busted, dusty corpses <laughs> at the bottom of the stairs still talking to each other. Oh, oh my God, it's, it's hellish. Uh, and I mean, obviously, that's another thing that the film tackles is it is this question, which you've answered. You would very much become immortal. Yeah. But obviously, it asks the question, well, how would it be going through life and seeing everyone? pass away you don't seem bothered by it so that's that's i am a very selfish person obviously i'd be very upset that people pass away but i no i'm blah 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 blah. yeah i don't care i want simply live forever i want to live forever i do i i want it i never want to die i've got too much stuff to do there's too much stuff for me to consume in this world uh when i die and if they carry on making films that i'll never get to see they'll carry on writing books that i'll never get to read yeah Um, i mean i think that's what bothers me about the idea of uh take going on a deep note for a while is like the fact that i'll i don't know i know whatever happens uh, i'll get major fomo i'll be like oh i'm not gonna get to see the next and whatever film or so (laughs) i know for a fact if i was to take this obviously i would attend my own funeral Oh, and how would you fake your death? That's the oh, question. Oh, so would good. you? Would you retire or would you? No, no, fake so I'd death? fake, I'd fake yeah. my death. Uh, I'd have to. I'd make it quite tragic. I've got the perfect excuse. I, I'm somebody who lives with bipolar. So, you know, anything, <laughs> anything oh could happen God. to me. People but oh, yeah, okay. Uh, he's gonna, <laughs> but I would absolutely attend my own funeral. Mm. But I would let one person in on the secret. My name is Alyssa Edwards, and this is Alyssa's secret. And it'd be somebody I know who wouldn't want to live forever. I'd say this is exactly what has to happen at my funeral. So my mm. funeral plans for anyone listening. So, oh, that it's on record. Actually. This is on record. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. There's a theme. Happy <laughs> Pride Month. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme because I'm gay. The theme is you either have to come dressed as you've just buried your fifth husband. So like... Black so this is, I'm talking, this is where we get yeah. the, the, the night wave with the well, ostrich feathers. Yeah. I'm talking like Debbie Jelinski from Adam's <laughs> Family Values. Um, or just like in this film, you have to come dressed as like a Victorian 
widow Mourner. Yeah. like full on that so they're the themes okay i want i want readings i want music i've got a playlist so if you go on my spotify there's a, a playlist called uh, bury me with this playlist and okay. that yeah you can choose any songs on there to play at what the do funeral. you want to come it's into like what's what's the coming song so it differs at the moment I want the orchestral arrangement of Running Up That Hill at the end of Strange Things Season 4, Part 1. Yeah. So that... So um, it'll, it, it might evolve over time then. Yeah, but yeah. It, it changes all the time. But I've got, I keep adding to the playlist. Um, <laughs> but also, I'd be there and I'd be stirring shit up at my own funeral. So I'd obviously, because I'm wearing a veil, nobody mm. knows it's me and I'll put on a voice because I'm an amazing actor. Yeah. Um, so I'll be like, I'll be causing some drama at my own funeral. And I'd be like, "Has anybody found the will?" Yeah. Somebody's like, "What?" <laughs> oh, nobody's found the will. The one Liam was a secret millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I'd cause some shit. Yeah, I'd also like, be say like, that "You've got like several children yeah. that are somewhere pocketed I'd away. You've got like, a secret family." I can't. I can't believe he lied about being gay his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> How straight of him. <laughs> also, if there was anybody at my funeral who in real life like I didn't like or was one of those people who was like I'm your friend but I'm a very selfish friend and I, you know I don't really care about you really it's just I keep you on my arm to say I've got a gay friend or something like that um, if you're listening you probably know who you are <laughs> but I'm saying um, nothing I'm I'd saying scare nothing. the shit out of them and scare them <laughs> I'd, I'd scare the shit out of them I hope they they cocked it and then yeah. you'd be like, we've got a coffin. <laughs> Get in it. <laughs> I'm already wearing black. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I, I, Yeah. I think I'd have to do something like crazy. I think I, if I faked my death, it'd be like I got sucked into a wood chipper or something. Like it wouldn't oh. be normal. <laughs> or it'd be like, oh, man gets pulled apart by five bull sharks in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Stop that at bowls. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, something something like that. But yeah, I definitely want to be there, I think, and see what the goss is. Because you'd oh, want to like, know what people I'd really want to make sure whoever... I don't care what other people think, but what I'd want to make sure, the one thing I... Is making sure there's a good buffet. Oh, God, Oh, yeah. my God. Right, for anyone listening who wants to attend my funeral, make sure there is a good buffet. If people aren't eating good at my funeral, what's the point in coming? I mean... Oh, and, and everybody... Everybody has to wear non-waterproof mascara. (laughs) You want the tears. It's (laughs) mandatory. You want the tears. Including the person reading the service. (laughs) I'm surprised you wouldn't get up there and do your own reading, to be honest. Just be like... I would. I would. Liam was was so impactful to me. (laughs) It always reminds me of that T.S. Madison story, if anyone's ever heard it, where she's talking about she's at a funeral and this woman comes running in, crying and dramatic... And she keeps shouting, he took a good dick out of this world. He took a good dick out of this world. That'd be me. For God's sake. Oh God never God. created such a beautiful bussy before. <laughs> anyway, death anyway, becomes uh, the death 1992 becomes, Robert Zemeckis class. In, in, incredible, <laughs> in, incredible film. I mean, wrapping things up, if you're happy to to do so, I uh, did you know about the alternate endings that were proposed? Um, oh, the other kind of vibes no, that they were going I didn't. for with stuff. There was so there was a whole character played by Tracy Ullman that got cut from this. Oh film. yeah, she was in the trailer. She was in, yeah, yeah, so she's in the trailer. 
there i mean it kind of changed things but the plan was initially that bruce willis's character was going to run off with tracy ullman's character and obviously that she was his wife and and that's where he had his happy ever after and Mm. we pick up with madeline and helen and they're in this like exclusive european like holiday resort and they see this old couple like kissing each other and they're like oh i really want that i wish i'd have had that and then they realize that it's Ernest. And then they're like, oh my God. So it, it, again, obviously it's, they're gray and, and their flesh is rotting. And then they see this lovely couple still full of life and they're incredibly envious of them. And they go and chase them to chase them down. And then they get hit by a car and then break into, into several pieces. So oh, I, don't, I don't hate that at it's all. It's similar in the, in the ending, but it's I, I, like, I think um, it would work. What's that Batman film where is at the end Alfred looks over and he's Bruce? <laughs> it's kind of like a f***ed up version of that. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. Um, another one was that they were going to steal a car from one of the guests at, uh, at Liesel's party. Not James uh, Dean's car. Please say no. No, no. But oh. I think I think Bruce Willis steals James Dean's car, doesn't he? Which <laughs> he is does, tempting yeah. fate. But then they end up accidentally driving it off a cliff in a similar fashion to obviously what ah. we see in the montage. So they were then going to emerge from the Package as charred skeletons. So oh. obviously they'd still be alive, but yeah. burnt to a crisp. I, um, that's so that, one that thing, while we've spoken about it, that's one thing I do wish they kind of did a little bit more of. And I did like the cheeky winks at like, oh, all these celebrities who are in there. We got Andy mm. Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, James Dean, Jim Morrison, Elvis. Elvis. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I'd have loved them to have leaned into that a bit more and that for it to have been think, like a part of yeah. Because I, I, what I want to know more about in this <laughs> film is that whole society that Liesl's a part of. Because the thing where she, like, because she says she's like 70 odd years old. Yeah. I think that's a lie. I think she's a lot older. I think she's Cleopatra. Yeah. Because well, she, you know, she was initially supposed to be. She was. Oh. That it was written that she was Cleopatra. Oh, that so, makes yeah. sense. Because the, yeah. um, the little box that the elixir comes in has like the onk on it. And, yeah. and she looks like, well, what I imagine apparently historians have now um, come to the conclusion that Cleopatra was a f***ing dog. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I can't remember what it was. As in physically an animal or just bad looking? Apparently she was like really ugly. Oh Um, yeah, I think I said, yeah. (laughs) Which, God... It reminds me, it also reminds me, remember that thing, sorry, I keep segueing into other things while we're on the subject of Cleopatra. I'm mean, like, oh, they've used a 3D printer to get this mummy's vocal cords. <laughs> <gasps> no, just that noise that he makes. He <gasps> 3D printed his fucking vocal box. Like, we know what he sounds like now. Scientists were able to mimic Nessie Amun's voice by recreating his mouth and vocal cords with a 3D printer. It allowed them to produce a single sound. He <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that thing, you know, on the computer keyboards. DJ, 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 <laughs> dictionary, <laughs> dictionary. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dying. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really wish they leaned into that a bit more. I yeah. have to give a shout out to Tom, Dick, and Harry. You people all have to be stopped. Dick, Tom, Harry. Get the potion from him! Good God. Liesel's I mean, like muscly, muscly henchmen. They just oh, look like they were God. ripped straight out of... Can you remember Gladiators, the TV yes. show? Right, but, who was your, who was your favourite? I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think the only one that I can really remember was Wolf. And I mean, Wolf. he was a bit old. Oh, so. I mean, Wolf was still fit. So, in the reboot... Was there a, a girl called Storm? 
Yes, but. there was Jet and Storm, who were two of my favourite girls. But Jet was the one I wanted to be. She kind of looked a little bit like um, Cindy Crawford. A little. I'm not saying a lot. Just a little. Oh, there was Hunter. Hunter and Warrior. Well, Ace. Hunter Hunter was on that... Um, was on the circle but there was one they did a reboot in like 2010 and they Mm. had one called spartan (laughs) good god if you want to if you want to see a man look at spartan can you remember zodiac zodiac was uh was hot i thought i like zodiac Oh, I'm going to look it up now. This has now become a gladiators. gladiators. <laughs> what did they used to say? What was it? It was just gladiators. Are you ready? Contenders, you will go on my first whistle. <laughs> <laughs> the impressions that you bring to this podcast are just. You will go on my second whistle. <laughs> but it used to have. Oh god, I used to love gladiators. Was camp, and it, that was made for so the gays camp. and days. So it really was. Camp. If anybody out there has a Gladiators podcast, can you get me on? I can't <laughs> love that. No, I used to love Saturday nights for that. That was bringing it great. back to um, <laughs> the film that becomes. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert Zemeckis on hand has said like quite, about quite a lot of his films that he mm. never allowed them to be remade. But what he has done though is he's managed to breathe new life into things through musicals. So uh, mm-hmm. Back to the Future, the musical is like wildly successful. It won the Olivier Award for best musical. Mm. Um, so this is actually becoming a musical. It was announced in, I believe it was 2017 or maybe yeah. or 28. And Christian Chenoweth is going to be in it. <laughs> and I'm like, I believe, let me double check who she's would, playing. This would work perfectly. So good as a musical. So well. Oh my God. Um, I know there was rumblings way back when, because they were going to do a TV series, weren't they? I think in the early mm-hmm. 2010s, but then that never, never got anywhere. And if I'm being honest, I'm kind of glad. Because yeah. I, I I don't know I don't I don't want a reimagining of the characters like no on TV or I, film. D- I don't I want, want it to be like Gossip Girl was, yeah or Riverdale but yeah they they um so yeah it says the it's slate it was supposed to be coming out in 2019 but um she'll be Madeline so she's playing Madeline Ashton I mean Madeline, perfect Madeline I must speak to Madeline I've got to speak to Madeline <laughs> spraying her eyeballs and then, so yeah she's going to be playing Madeline so that means Kelly Rowland's the only one who's going to be able to play Helen Friday I, I wondered where Logically. you were going to I thought fair, you were going to say she's to probably fair, taken the potion because she, she looks I mean, yeah, incredible no, to be fair though I <laughs> wouldn't be mad at Kelly Rowland playing um, Helen we get to see like off the rails fat Kelly Rowland though <laughs> Yes, please. Yes, please. We get to see crazy fat, crazy, crazy fat lady, crazy cat lady, <laughs> Kelly Rowland, which I would 100% be down I'd for. be so here for it. And whether like, yeah. man's hell, Freddy! <laughs> <laughs> 100% that that would that would work yeah would I work. really I really hope that plans don't fall with it fail with this and that it it tours the UK or comes yeah. to the UK well we, um, we definitely need to go. I love Christian Chenoweth so so much I'd go I'd go on I'd say I'd die for her but I've spent the whole episode saying I'd never want to die but um yeah. I'd, I'd probably if she kill told me it. okay cool. kill for you um, okay that's the podcast uh, flag then <laughs> but I, mean, I love Christian Chenoweth she's incredible she's the best mm. part about Glee as well apart from Amber Riley yeah <laughs> in, in, incredible incredible film I'm glad I mean there's so much that we we, we could talk about this film I, I, I'd gladly talk about it all evening but I do think we probably you brought to... this on yourself you brought this on yourself drink it's the right choice 
I think you should just do the rest of the uh, the rest of the episode in a really bad European accent. Although she is Italian, so I mean, I mean, I yeah, but she, her accent's the only one. <laughs> her accent's the only authentic one. It is. Now a warning. Sorry, <laughs> I've got quotes. In there. Bruce Willis gets some good lines in this as well. Actually, yeah, we I, haven't yeah, spoken about we haven't Bruce really Willis spoken about Bruce Willis. And he I feel is great. Bad. Because if you think of it, he's Bruce Willis. Like Bruce Willis is like a name. Like they're yeah. all names, and like Bruce Willis, he actually plays such a, like mm-hmm. plays such a good role in this. Some because of the Bruce Willis is so cartoon like. Yeah. You know, like when he does like the double take of, mm-hmm. of when Madeline's alive again, and <laughs> like this is like action man, like mm. big burly straight man Bruce Willis. Although at this point he has released me- that music, but um, we have to, um, <laughs> But yeah, Bruce Willis in this is actually like plays plays the he's a, he's a bumbling idiot, isn't he? Yeah. Essentially, but yeah, he's he's, he's <laughs> great. He's, he's like, where did you put my wife? <laughs> oh, she's in the morgue. The morgue. <laughs> she's be gonna furious. be so Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, it's it's just, it's an incredible, incredible film, and uh, I do think Bruce Willis is is ace. Actually, it, I'm, I'm sure that was probably something that appealed to him as well as to why he wanted to yeah. do it because it is such a departure. Um, because oh. he would be leading man, and I mean, this is definitely a women's film. Like it's a mm-hmm. women's film. It's it, I don't know that he's not the focus, is he at all? <laughs> but wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. On guard, bitch. <laughs> That whole anyway. scene with the spades. Oh my god! With the spades and the, the silhouettes of them with the spades, yep. it's just in so insanely good. I could, I wish that fight went on forever as well. This is it. I I gladly have like a half an hour sequence. Like, just give me an <laughs> Avengers Endgame length film that is just those two have hashing it out with each other. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> How old do you think I am? 38. 28. No. <laughs> no, 23. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm just reading off quotes now. <sighs> so I guess putting a pin in it then for Death Becomes a pun intended, because obviously pins are significant in this film. <laughs> there is a great article that was run via Vanity Fair, which was discussing obviously why this film is such a queer classic film and such a mm. cult phenomenon uh, amongst our community. And I know you mentioned, uh, obviously, uh, the drag artist we know as Jinx Monsoon uh, mm. playing a part of it in, in um, one of the stage productions. They've obviously declared publicly several times how much they love this film and they were actually interviewed for this article. And I think that the discussion was mainly revolving around, obviously, why it is so popular. And it, it yeah. was really because of this kind of lineage of strong women and particularly more so probably with the villains that we've seen in like Disney films and then why obviously as as a queer audience we respond so well well to them I'll just read a bit from this article because I I thought it summed it up perfectly to to be honest Hoffer uh, which is obviously Jinx's real name ties Helen and Madeline to a lineage of beloved bad women who did 
be both divinely stylish and unrepentantly ambitious. I think this is a trait that runs throughout the queer community, the obsession with the hyper-feminine female villains. And we see it in Disney movies and in movies like Death Becomes Her and in characters like Poison Ivy and Catwoman. Almost all the Disney villain witches are gay icons, like Sleeping Beauty's Maleficent with her cold cackle and cool cape, or the Little Mermaid's octopusy Ursula, whose design was actually then inspired by the defiant drag queen Divine. There's comparisons being made to Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, and I mean, Mm -hmm. I definitely see that with with these two characters at the centre of of the film. Has a full-on Mummy Dearest moment when um, Madeline's in bed and she's got all those things around her, yeah. Absolutely, she she does. Uh, she finishes the article then by saying, however they find it, death becomes her as an elixir of life for its fans, one that not only spurs them to laugh at absurd vanity and suffocating heteronormativity, but gives them license to challenge those things. We can relate to Helen and Madeline's rejection of tedious norms and aspire to their determination to get what's theirs. Death becomes her as a fantasy of defiance and power, beauty and eternal youth. And even if it ends as a nightmare for its anti-heroines, to its court audience, they are eternally queens. Oh, and I thought I, I couldn't have worded that better no, than myself. So that is amazing. We love you, Jinx. Yeah, we absolutely. also love this film. And I just, yeah, I thought that was a nice way to cap off uh, our choice of film for, for this episode. <laughs> so I guess moving on, this is usually the part of the show where we talk about recommendations and, yes. and what we'd advise you guys out there to to consume (laughs) as as much as we have so i think you've got you've got uh, quite a cool one so i don't know if you want to kick kick this um, off alongside this uh, a film about a crazy woman uh, that i love is fatal attraction and i was reading something the other day where it described a book as like the gay version of fatal attraction i was like well i need to read it um (laughs) And it's called Bathhouse by P.J. Vernon. Incredible. Now, it tells it tells the story of Oliver and Nathan, who are a couple. Nathan's older, um, has money. He's a doctor. Oliver's like a young twink, um, recovering drug addict. And Oliver isn't getting his kicks with Nathan sexually. So goes to a bathhouse or a sauna, gets involved with a guy. This guy tries to kill him, like wraps his hand around his neck and like he's got his big bruise and stuff. Jesus. Oliver obviously doesn't want this to get out, so creates an elaborate lie. Also, the person who tried to kill him then becomes this like obsessed stalker. So it's like a tale of one him trying to cover this up and not let his husband find out, but also deal with the stalker. And it goes to some absolutely insane, insane places. <laughs> and I'm not really like a thriller person. I, I usually mm. just read horror exclusively so it's my first like venture into thrill i probably wouldn't read enough one unless it was gay um <laughs> but this was oh it was everything it really did remind me of fatal attraction which another film that i could talk about Equally, for years. Could, i think we could talk yeah. about again mm-hmm. um, on, on um, but yeah point. it's bathhouse by pj vernon um if you haven't read it read it it's stud it's so good i can't i only finished reading it last night as well i've uh, um, I've, never, I've never been to a sauna before but i'm i don't think i want not? to now <laughs> there's um there's one actually quite close to where you live <laughs> no uh, it's, it's, there. It's, one of, it's one of the biggest ones in the uk yeah what in nottingham yes uh, okay, there was a document there was a documentary about it no mm-hmm. 
Okay, I'm, I'm so, definitely not going to Google it part, after. After part the- of my <laughs> part of my job is sexual health outreach. So obviously, before you have to like go out and hand out condoms at these. We places. used to. We don't get funding to do have that anymore, condoms. unfortunately. But before, we used to go to like places and make sure that people were like they they were being protected. They were clued up and stuff. To and- be fair, that's what my other half used to do when uh, yeah. when he worked for the uh, Gay and Lesbian Switchboard, and then he'd mm-hmm. go out and then do sexual health work in I in the evening. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you off air, but I have a great sauna story okay or maybe okay. or maybe i'll save it for an anonymous an anonymous <laughs> Anon- story yeah, I was gonna say, we'll pretend it's someone else <laughs> but it's definitely you um, anyway so my recommendation is bathhouse <laughs> and house is spelled h-a-u-s okay um as in by pj house house yeah. house, house, yeah. Of, house of gaga house. <laughs> father son and house of Gucci. Moving Your on. Moving Maybe. on. I have a I have a couple of recommendations. Uh, both are TV shows, and I think I'll save the shocking one till last because uh, I think it is going to shock you when I say this. But okay. um, the first one is uh, obviously we've previously on the episode with Craig we spoke about Heartstopper on Netflix. There's mm-hmm. been another series that I've watched recently which I've absolutely loved uh, on Channel Four called Big Boys. I cannot tell you how much I loved that show the fact that it's a show about a gay guy who's best friends with a straight guy at uni (laughs) is he's incredibly fit (laughs) it's just it's such a such a good show Uh, i mean it deals with it i mean it it talks about like a lot of stuff that um i'd say it's kind of like the graduation piece to Heartstopper like it's for the audience Mm. that are like the step up maybe generationally i mean it's set back in like i think 2000 like late 2000 2000s early 2010s but it was literally me at uni (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's not afraid to like talk about like gay sex gay sexual issues depression Mm -hmm. mental health all of these things like grief loss just being at uni and how stressful that can be as a young adult so i I loved it and it's probably one of the funniest shows i've watched in a good good while if that hasn't sold it to you obviously we've got the really straight fit straight friend uh, but also, it's so cliche, isn't it? Fancy his mum's guy. His mum's played by the icon who plays Jackie Tyler in Doctor Who, and yes. I would walk over hot coals and broken glass. For I her. was so happy to see her again. Like, mm. I mean, I, I loved her in Doctor Who anyway, but this is like her character in Doctor Who turned up to like an eleven because mm-hmm. she can swear. And I mean, yeah. there's this whole city. It's not really giving too much away, but all I'm going to say is Alison Hammond in the first episode. They mentioned <laughs> Alison Hammond, and it's just, I was, I was, yeah, I absolutely loved it. The second show that I've actually only really just started watching, and I feel so bad, but it's Pride mm. Month, so here's a here's a month to start watching it. Is Golden Girls? I've yep. never seen it before. I'd never sat down and watched it, and. I can't explain to you how much I love this this show. It's amazing. It's the, <laughs> one of the greatest shows ever made. Thank you for being a friend. Um, have you watched it all? <laughs> Whereabouts are you? So I'm on I'm on season three. So I've still got okay, a ways so, to go. Um, who's but, your favourite? Uh, well, I was going to ask the question: Who do you think you are, and who do you think I am in this in this lineup? Because I Dorothy. immediately gravitated towards someone. I'm Dorothy. I don't think you are. I think you are straight up Blanche. <laughs> you are so much a Blanche. You really are. Blanche Devil. <laughs> I just want to put his hands all over my perky bosoms. You really, really are. Big Daddy, Big Daddy. <laughs> um, 
I, Why do you think you're a Dorothy? Because I, I, I always, say, I think I'm a Dorothy, because I just I, think I'm cynical. I feel like I sound like Dorothy when I'm chain-smoking cigarettes, and yeah. I've got the shoulders. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I do like to... Th- so I'd like to think I was a, a, a Blanche, uh, but I, I've always related Dor- Dorothy a bit more, and I think that's yeah. mainly just because of how much I love B. Arthur. Um, yeah. But also, I'm a little bit so uh, <laughs> a bit Sophia as well. Yeah, really, you, you are. Relate to Sophia Petrillo so much. Well, this is it. I, I had no idea. Sicily, 1922. <laughs> I had no idea what to expect, um, and it's on oh. Disney Plus. So uh-huh. I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm just gonna watch it." And I mean, I've been singing the theme tune constantly. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> so live on air recommendation from me to you: when you finish Golden Girls, watch Golden Palace. Okay, it's it's not on Disney Plus. Is it's it related? The, it's the spin-off show. Oh, right, it, okay. It has all the girls in it, but not all of them. It's the spin-off okay. show. It continues the story. It's not. It's not amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's worth watching the first time round. Just have a yeah, okay. I love Golden Girls so much. I can't be- tell you how happy I am that you started to watch this show. I don't know why I, I hadn't. I, I don't know. I, it was just one of those shows. I think I'd always like known about, and I knew that obviously condoms, of- Rose. Condoms, <laughs> condoms. <laughs> also, I think we both established that we we. I think we need to find ourselves a rose maybe because I, oh. I i don't see you as a rose and i don't see myself i don't as a see rose. me as a rose no. um but i think we, we could do with a rose and then we could just get together and eat cheesecake yeah. in the middle of the night i could just do with more friends to be honest <laughs> <laughs> and more wow. ge- and more gentlemen callers to come and see me and then <laughs> this is what i mean you, you tell barely me <laughs> touching the bath water you tell me that you're a dorothy but you <laughs> You're such a blanche. It's big daddy, big daddy, big daddy. <laughs> so, um, my uh, a close friend of mine is currently in the process of changing their surname, and they're actually changing their surname to Devereaux. And I'm not I even you were li- gonna say daddy. Then I was like, I'm not even lying. They're changing their surname to Devereaux well, because of <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be Patrillo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Spornak. <laughs> Dorothy Spornak. Yeah. Um, just I'm go hug a landmine, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> well, we spoke about how quotable Death Becomes Her is. I mean, this show Golden is... Girls is the most quotable TV show ever. Any of our listeners out there, if you've not watched Golden Girls, I cannot recommend it enough. That show don't wasn't... be intimidated as well by the fact that it's an older show because it's so no. funny still. It's hilarious. So it touches on real issues. It was one of the first TV, first and only TV shows to talk about being gay and gay it people, being fine yeah. HIV mm. AIDS t- tackled immigration tackled mm. people um, taking issues with people with disabilities it tackled some hard hitting themes and did it with such heart and all of the girls were huge huge advocates for our community none more so than B. Arthur who left a significant large amount the majority of her Fortune when she died went to an LA center for LGBT homeless youth. Throughout her whole life, she dedicated her life to, you know, talking about it. Um, I don't mean to get deep, but that's why this show means a lot to me. Mm. Not just on the funny side of it, because it's fing hilarious, but yeah. knowing that every single one of those girls had our backs when no yeah. one else did. I think um, that's it. You can, you can see it. And I thought, again, it was maybe the perfect thing to bring up. On, on this episode because mm-hmm. I had just funnily enough like gotten into it over like the last month and it's like 
it's just such a good show. Like, I love putting it on before bed. Like, I just yeah. get into, like, the perfect... I'm just relaxed watching it. Um, so it's it's good for the soul, that show. Yeah, and, it really uh, is. Yeah. Thank you for being a friend, Liam. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Go hug a landmine, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've gone from some lovely recommendations. This is usually where we... We, yeah, we we've got, we, allow me to spooky. lower the tone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've just had this gorgeous moment talking about <laughs> one of the most incredible TV shows of all time. R.I.P. to all the Golden Girls. On to sodomy. <laughs> and now I want you to dim the lights, get comfy. This is this week's hookup horror story. It's date number four, and I'm starting to really like him. He's funny, he's successful, and he just seems to get me, so I tell myself that I'm ready. We get back to his place after spending a day climbing hills and going on a big countryside walk, and as he's being a sweetheart by making them tea, I tell him that tonight is the night. So far he's been really patient with me, and was pretty chill when I told him that I was a virgin and had never done anything before, so didn't want to rush into anything. So once the tea had been drank up, we get as hot and steamy as the kettle, and he's been so cute by constantly checking in on me to make sure that I'm okay. At this point, I just want him inside of me, because the foreplay is a solid 10 out of 10. I climb on top of him, and it's not long until he's inside of me. Everything is amazing. I'll be a bit painful, but that's exactly what I was expecting anyway. When suddenly, there is a blinding pain. I scream and jump up. He screams and jumps up. We both stand there screaming. My leg is cramping like crazy. It's been on and off all day because of the big walk we did, but now it's like hot knives in my thighs. I laugh it off, but notice that he isn't laughing with me. He's crying, and then I see the blood. Blood all over his still semi-erect I start panicking and don't know what to do, and he's shouting at me to call an ambulance. I just panic, and and so it's, it's really awkward half an hour wait as we sit there waiting for the emergency team to arrive. Luckily, I have the luxury of getting dressed at that time, but my poor gentleman is there naked and covered in blood. The paramedics arrive and we bashfully explain what happens and props to them for keeping a straight face during it all. I can't imagine what the smell was like. Anyway, it turns out, once we're up at a and that I ripped his foreskin when I cramped and jumped off. Like a big tear. Like a big, big tear. Basically, I snapped his banjo string. I'm absolutely mortified and don't know what to do. I, I, I make a very tearful apology and say goodbye to him as his parents arrive at a and And that was that. Or was it? A week later, I get a text from him asking if I still wanted to see him and if I wanted to talk. After what I did to the poor lad, the least I could do was go on another date with him. Anyway, the date is actually really cute and we end up having a laugh about the situation. So that story was eight years ago now. And he's now my husband. Aww. See, not all hookup horror stories have a nasty end, but sometimes cramp does cause one. <laughs> Aww. That's <laughs> it so turned lovely. out really sweet at the end, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh my God. I'd be mortified. <laughs> I take it as a compliment. I'd be like, oh, I'm that tight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Have you, have you never, I take it you've never done that before because it is horrifying. What snapped my banjo, my banjo string? Yeah, I have not known. Luckily, okay. Well, this um, isn't a, this isn't a hookup horror story, but it's a horror hmm. story. Myself, have I told you this before? Potentially, 
It involves Heelys. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dim the lights, guys. It, it, it's about to get dark in here. <laughs> I said Heelys, not heels. Okay. 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 So, so, so I was. I, was, I must have I been like. like 13, 14 at the time. It was like when the Heelys craze was like massive and everyone had them. So I got a set of the ones that you clipped onto your shoes. I was never going to get those like massive trainers with the wheels inside. So I'd been out playing with my friends all day and mum called me in because it was time to like go to bed. It was Sunday evening so I had to be up for school the next day. And as I was going in the, the my front door, I tripped over the door frame and... My, my left my leg, leg fully, fully extended, extended and I ended up basically doing the splits and I've never, never been able to do the splits since, since before, before at all <laughs> but I was but wearing, wearing jeans, jeans at the time, at the time. Mm. So, so my penis, my penis was caught in the zip, in the zip of my jeans, of my jeans. as I went <laughs> down <laughs> and it just and completely ripped oh. my banjo <laughs> so I thought I was fine and then my mum was like Liam I think there's something really wrong because blood started coming through my jeans <laughs> so, so I, I can remember I opened I, I opened my jeans and had a look and yeah like like he's not lying when he said about blood it pisses blood there is a lot of blood involved we ended up calling an ambulance I'm crying like I'm never going to be able to have children this is it like I, I'm never going to be able to use this again I mean I'd not got to use it at this point anyway because I was 13 <laughs> so um, yeah I ended up having to go to A&E and get my dick stuck su- dick sucked <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> I ended up having to get my dick stuck back together. Oh, um, so yeah, wow. it, had to, it had to be glued. It was so I, Xanadu. I, <laughs> that's all I can think of now. This is it. You know, when I watch that film, I'm just like <laughs> Gene Kelly. It's just gonna. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that Happy with Pride me. Month, everyone. <laughs> I'm like, I can't tell you how awful it was. It was. <laughs> I thought I was going to die, Liam. I thought I was going to oh. die. Oh, bless you. Yeah, so oh. I, I feel his pain, literally. I, f- I felt his oh, pain. Well, uh, the from one story... I didn't get a husband out of it, though, did I? So. No, no. Well, has it been eight years? Oh, yeah, it's been eight years as well. <laughs> it's been eight oh, bless years, you. yeah. We have, um, we've had a really nice message from somebody, so I'd quite like to read it out. Yeah, let's, let's end on a high <laughs> note, not, not me splitting my ball sack and dick open. Um, we've had a message from Jordan Hayward, um, and they Hi, messed Jordan. us. Hi, Jordan. Oh, God. Let me get their at up because I like to let people know. It's Jordan Hayward92 on Twitter. Go give them a follow for being so nice. They said, just wanted to say I love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Uh, thank you for being my commute podcast. Oh, um, that's exciting. Yeah. I'd love to be on an episode one day, but if not, I'll settle for being a fan right now, though. Fan? Oh. <laughs> We've got fans. <laughs> it's about time. So thank you, Jordan. That was really nice to read. Um, I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you also to the person who submitted this this hook up horror story because I know who you are and I know who your husband is. I take is. it they're not related, so we don't need to attribute. No, Jordan no, no, to, they're not. To, no, okay. No, I'm sure your banjo string is Jordan still intact, intact Jordan. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, the person who uh, submitted this week's hook up horror story. I said, I know you and I know your husband. Uh, can't wait to see you both. Because <laughs> I didn't know that before. So what a beautiful story. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Nothing says happy ever after. Quite quite like that. Oh, my days. 
Um, if I wasn't warm before, I'm absolutely... You're warm now. What an episode. Now. What an episode. Oh, if you've enjoyed this episode, and of course you have, you're yeah, still here. I mean, don't ask um, the question. We have <laughs> created Spotify playlists for each episode. Now, I've been very hard at work curating these playlists. One of my favourite yeah. things in the world is to make playlists. I don't know what it is. You're I very good off, at it, I will say. I get off on like, it. You get the so, vibe. Of, of this playlist, I'm going to read off some some songs on there. They don't all necessarily feature songs that are in the film because if you wanted to do that, you could just listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, it's a vibe. We've got songs such as Could Have Been You by Cher, Woman in Love by Barbara Streisand, You Think You're a Man by Divine, Black Cat by Janet Jackson, Ripper to Shreds by Blondie, and No One Else on Earth by Wanona Judd. This has got some, it's just an it's, incredible I vibe. think this is, is my favourite playlist uh, for I've the episodes that you've made. Uh, uh, yeah, so, I was say. Yeah. Every episode has an accompanying um, Spotify playlist. Every episode that we've released so far and everyone that will happen in the future. If you like that, go onto our social media. Um, you'll find a link to it somewhere. I was going to say, I think it's on the, you can find it on the Instagram under playlists yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'll, obviously, I'll work link some magic and will, put it on a link tree and something like that. There are some amazing playlists, if I do say so myself, that have been made. <laughs> Each one has like a different vibe to it to fit the film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's been your lot this Pride Month. Thank you for joining what us. What a month it's been! Uh, I oh. bet you bet you guys are sick of us, to be honest. Uh, so we are gonna we are gonna chill down and, and yeah. cool down a little bit now. And I think we'll, we will be going back to to one episode a month for a, for the foreseeable but until we've got you, some exciting things on the way again. If but. you can't get enough of us, we mm. have featured on other podcasts this Pride Month. So have. you can catch us over on the Trash Tapes. Talking about Xanadu, my Triggered. one of the greatest I, I films. I can't talk about Wallace Capes again. <laughs> uh, we are going to feature on Horror Cult Trash Over, talking about Freaky, mm-hmm. the Vince Vaughn Friday, not Friday the 13th, but yeah, Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday um, slasher yeah. amalgamation, yeah. I'm doing a cheeky little quick appearance on Dear Watchers, which is a comic book podcast, and I get Incredible. to talk about some some fun things. I'm not going to give it away. If you're a comic book fan and if you're a Rocky Horror fan, um, you definitely want to go and check that out. It's not much. I only recorded a small bit for them, but I'm a huge fan of their podcast, so it's like really fun for me to do. If you still want to check out all things queer, listen to all of our previous episodes. You can also catch some incredible blog posts written by the pair of us. Liam has an essay called Queer Fear that goes into details of gay shit and horror films. (laughs) Gay shit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, queer horror history. That's the one. And I have curated a recommended watching list uh, if you want to watch some queer horror films. But what I've not done is included the usual crap on there. Not mm. usual crap, but um, you yeah, won't you find Nightmare on Elm Street 2 on there. Of, yeah. You see a lot of the same, don't you? There are some films on there that I want to discuss on this podcast yeah. because they're incredible. Anyway, mm-hmm. thank you all so much for joining us this Pride Month. It's been a lot of fun. We really hope yes. you've enjoyed it. You can message us with any feedback. I would love that. If you can rate us on any sort of rating thing yes please do yeah. rate us on whatever platform that you're um that you're listening to yeah leave leave comments interact with us say hi yeah. find us on twitter slide into the dms yeah we're, we're fine with that as well 
So uh, you can find all of our social media linked in any descriptions below. You can also find um, our email address. You can send us emails if you want. If you want to send us free stuff. Um, <laughs> Sponsors, please. <laughs> if you are listening and you're from Shudder. Uh, <laughs> Shudder, please. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you all so much for listening. And remember, closets were not made for people. They were made for monsters and babysitter killers. Goodbye. Goodbye. You bought this on yourself. You bought this on yourself. Now a warning. podcast on the super freak media podcast network to show your support be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and you can find us on social media in the links in the description of this episode thank you for listening